Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley DeMaria, and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, and Lent. Hello, Anne. Well, this Sunday, we celebrated the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Once again, there is nothing ordinary about this week. There's so much going on that starts celebratory with Mardi Gras. Uh, it gets really gluttonous for some people with Fat Tuesday. And then again, some of us will go cold turkey with our vices on Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. So we have a lot to talk about today. How are you? I was laughing, Haley, because um, I was thinking about Ash Wednesday and maybe you should have said going cold tofu because um, <laughs> Ash I know, bad joke. Ash Wednesday is a day of fasting and abstinence. So for our listeners, just, just a reminder, no meat. And we don't eat meat because um, we are to remind ourselves to be in solidarity with the poor whose meat is usually associated with people and places in the world that have um, the ability to really choose what they eat and meat traditionally costs a little more. So even though fish is a delicacy in many places, not where Jesus lived. And so just a reminder on that. And then, you know, it's two small meals and one regular meal. I don't know how you do typically on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday or Good Friday, the two days where we're supposed to fast daily, but I find them to be a challenge. So I, um, you know, I don't, actually i i don't know if i have ever had three what people would consider full meals i think that's just too much food for me um at least in my post swimming days certainly when i was swimming we could eat a lot um but uh no in fact the more i think about it probably the harder it is during the day but if i just go on through my normal day um it's uh i just try to have a couple snacks and then and then we'll have dinner but i have menu planned for this week for dinner and thank you for the reminder because we were going to have chicken tiki masala on wednesday night and now we're not <laughs> you get, i don't know if there's tofu masala i don't know if that works but uh, it would not work in my house it might work for me but maybe not for everybody else <laughs> yeah. okay. so um yeah but ash wednesday's uh an important day and we'll talk a little bit more about that but before we do in terms of the flame and what's hot this week last week i really enjoyed talking about our b-list holidays our super holidays for the month of february and the super bowl as you know, it's funny i really did hear somebody on the radio and somebody informally in conversation say you know it's just too bad this monday after the super bowl isn't a national holiday so it's all it's obviously on people's minds right? That it, it could be. Um, but tomorrow is a, a national holiday, President's Day. We're observing that. And it's um, also my birthday, which is um, interesting only in that two things. One, my father is born on May 30th. I think Memorial Day is, I don't know, super slash B list day. And it was always observed on May 30th. And it wasn't until about uh, 30 years ago that it was moved to that last, you know, that certain Monday in May, but much like Veterans Day, it used to be an actual day. So he said it was wonderful growing up, having your birthday as a national holiday. And I thought, well, my birthday is a national holiday tomorrow. 
um, which doesn't really mean as much to me in that sense of needing a holiday. But my mother said to me, she said, you know, I've always thought your birthday was on the 16th. And I was like horrified. <laughs> that, must, that must have been a long labor for her to think it was going to the next day. No, I was the quickest of any like two hours. And I just thought, what mother forgets your child's birthday? You know, I'm going to milk this for all it's worth. But um, at any rate, the Super Bowl um, has spawned, you know, continued to spawn the GOAT debate, the greatest of all time, right? About Tom Brady. And it is remarkable at 43 that he led his team to a seventh title. And so, you know, for many people, this confirmed that he was the GOAT. Well, and especially the way he did it, right? It wasn't like he won his seventh title with, you know, the Patriots and that whole, you know, myth of a legendary team. Yeah, he left and went to a team that hadn't been in the, playoffs and hadn't really been doing very well and took them to a Super Bowl win. So it, it does, it does add a, a it's, he makes, they make a good argument. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I want to appreciate his greatness. I do. I think it is inspiring and I'm not going to take that away from him, but, you know, in terms of the conversation that people are having, you know, they'll talk about Michael Jordan and even LeBron James, who has four titles. And I, I really think history, you're a history major, so offers perspective and context. And I, you know, heard this week, Yogi Berra won 10 World Series titles. Now the Yankees were, that was to your point, like was, was he was with one team, but they were so dominant. And then um, Bill Russell, who turned 87 on Friday, he kind of just chimed in and he's like, whoa, 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 goat. I'm going to, it needs to be known. You know, he has. Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 11 titles. Um, and he, uh, with the Celtics um, in 13 seasons, he was the MVP of the league five times. He was a 12 time all-star. He had two national titles with the university of San Francisco and an Olympic gold medal. So um, yeah, that to me, that is a really hard, you know, I know it's a different sport, but talk about the goat. And I want to appreciate this goat because he has been involved in a really creative ad campaign for COVID-19. So Bill Russell was known for his great defense and um, he is a proponent of getting the vaccine. And he said, the only shot I won't be blocking is this one. So happy birthday, Mr. Russell. I love your essay success is a journey, not a destination about American sports and race relations and, and justice. Um, it's a great essay for anyone to read and, um, yeah, tip our hat to him for his goatness. <laughs> so, and you, know, I, you had mentioned, Anne, when we were talking in our notes here, you know, why isn't there more energy about talking about who the female goat is? Um, so we may have to add that as one of our topic, future topics is, uh, maybe a whole podcast on a debate of who is the goat, um, both yeah. male and female. It would be kind of fun. Um, I'm kind of with Bill Russell here. Just an interesting side bit. Um, you know, we watched the Michael Jordan um, series documentary, like I think most people did during quarantine. And, you know, my kids have heard his name. They are big NBA watchers. So they're very familiar with what's going on, you know, currently in the NBA. And of course, they've heard of Michael Jordan and they've heard the whole debate between Michael and LeBron and blah, blah, blah. And after watching 
the Jordan documentary, they both were like, oh, it's not even close. Ah. Um, so even this kind of next generation that's grown up with LeBron James and they really thought he was the goat when they saw Michael Jordan. Now that was a Michael Jordan documentary told through his lens. But anyway, that would be a fun topic to dive yeah. into to future times. And I'd like to have it among like the saints, you know? Like, oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's really a contest after a lady, Notre Dame. But... Right. Okay. I'm adding yeah. that to our list. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me about Super Bowl ads. What did you yeah. like, not like? I don't know if you caught them and, you know, what your house was like, but I was um, with a friend and her husband. That was really special because, you know, just haven't really done that. And um, they were comfortable with it and I was too. And, um, you know, you're chatting, but then this ad comes on for Cheetos and um, it featured Shaggy, the musician, Aston Kutcher and his wife, Mila, is it Kunis? Is that Kunis? I think Kunis? so, Kunis. Yeah. Okay. People seem to know I'm, I'm not great on celebrities. I'm a little bit familiar with her, but I knew they were married. So um, the bottom line is that they play on Shaggy's song, Wasn't Me, because there's, you know, when you eat Cheetos, you get the cheese all over your hands. And I always joke, you know, this is a Jeopardy clue, things that don't exist in nature. And the answer is, what is the color of Cheetos? <laughs> it's that bright orange. And you know, a friend and I were talking about just prior to this, how good Cheetos are. They're just so good. And yet they offer no nutritional value. Zero. Right. right? I can't, I mean, if sodium was a nutritional value, which it might be for retaining water, but other than that, and, and you know, last week we talked about what do you take in with your eyes and being discerning about that. And with Cheetos, like I have to ask myself, I enjoy them, but I'm not going to overdo it because again, what am I taking in? So we were trying to make the analogy in the spiritual life. Like you can't have, you cannot have Cheetos every day or, or you could, but um, you got to be mindful of what we take in. And so as much as we want Cheetos, um, it's something, you know, maybe for a Super Bowl snack. It's perfect for a Super Bowl snack, especially when they're playing such great commercials like that. Uh, sure. Yeah. Just a catchy song and you know, yeah, catchy, right. sticky fingers you get when you eat them. <laughs> and now we send pictures of Cheetos to each other all the time. And it's pretty funny because there is, an, and I'll link this in the show notes, there's a picture of these uh, women sitting in their wheelchair in a nursing home. And the title, the headline, you know, talks about, um, it says, uh, inside a nursing home after vaccination, joy, relief, and game night. And I'm thinking, gosh, for these people, I mean, they were the most isolated, right? The most removed from family and whatnot. They had to be. And now they're back and, you know, hopefully safe. And this woman in the front is clutching, I'm not joking, a plastic bin. It's like a jug of Cheetos. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so enjoy. I'll post that. And I hope she enjoys those Cheetos and the, com and the company. And, right. And sharing them because she doesn't need to eat that whole container by herself. <laughs> no. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's safe to share them. I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody in the facility, but... Yeah. So the winning Super Bowl ad in our house was the uh, universal streaming ads where, um, no, it wasn't universal. Sorry, it was Paramount where they were climbing the mountain um, and it was a series of them and they were all yeah. cumulative um, where you saw like different, you know, Beavis and Butthead and um, different characters from all these different movies and TV shows um, to be streaming for 
clearly it wasn't that good of an ad because I said it was for Universal um, and couldn't remember what it was for, but the Paramount uh, streaming where they all end up on the top of the mountain. So, um, you know, my my kids and husband who like that kind of pop culture um, type stuff they they knew who everybody was i didn't um but they we really liked i like those cumulative ads that tell a story over time um those are kind of just clever and fun um and then the cheetos one because i just love that song it just makes me laugh (laughs) (laughs) it is pretty good and then uh was it hot i don't think it was hot there this week there's nothing hot in Annapolis, I heard it was- No, when we are talking about what's hot this week, it is freezing. Um, I mean, we've had a couple of ice storms. It's really pretty because everything is coated in ice. Um, so like every branch and every blade of grass is just crystallized with ice. So it is really pretty. Um, no, it's freezing. So we spent a lot of time inside. We had a couple of days off of school because um, you can't drive on those icy roads. Um, and it was, you know, it's we, it, we're in Mardi Gras season. And, um, you know, for better or worse, when you're stuck at home inside on a snow day, I spent more time than I probably should have or anybody needs to on social media. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just saw, I just started seeing all these posts about um, the lack of Mardi Gras and, you know, what friends of mine who live in New Orleans for whom this is, you know, a six week event, um, they're really feeling the loss. Um, you know, they, I have a couple of friends who are involved in um, a very big organization and it's social, it's charitable, it's um, it, it's year round, but it, it's the crew of muses. And, you know, they spend months planning their float and the theme, and actually I should say floats because they have the several floats. Um, and then their their whole thing is these shoes and, and I'll post and attach pictures to this, but they're pumps, you know, they buy women's shoes, high heels, and they decorate them like you can't imagine with beads and sequins and plumes. And I mean, they're just really amazing. And they throw them to the crowds off the floats. Um, and it's like a hot ticket item to, to you know, be the recipient and catch one of these shoes. So. You know, one of my friends posted, you know, she said, I know we've got bigger problems in the world, but I, I'll tell you, I'm really feeling the the weight of this loss right now. Um, mm-hmm. They're really, um, you know, not having Mardi Gras and we've all lost things. And, and, and certainly, you know, the loss of a big old party um, probably doesn't seem like a major loss. Um, but in but in New Orleans, it is. It, again, it's charitable, it's social, it's the loss of tourism dollars for people coming in. Um, they're really they're really missing it this year. But like with everything, um, where there's loss, there's opportunity. And um, they, they're doing some really neat things down there. Instead of having the parades, they are decorating their homes. So, you know, some of the these homes that I've seen pictures of look like floats. I mean, the entire front of the house looks like a float. And um, they have parade routes where you can drive through these neighborhoods um, and see these house floats, they're calling them. Um, so it's pretty neat to see how people yeah. are getting creative. And, you know, New Orleans is a tough city. They faced a lot of loss um, between mm-hmm. Katrina and, and, and in various natural disasters and such. Um, and they're resilient. So it's kind of fun to see that spirit come through. Um, but yeah, people are missing Mardi Gras this year. Yeah. Well, you know, when I think of, you know, the United States of America and I think of the subcultures, what a precious subculture, you know, South Louisiana, Mobile, Alabama, that whole area, you know, South Mississippi, the area that really, like you said, lives out that six weeks of Mardi Gras. 
Um, and I didn't know about that crew and um, I would love to see some of those images. So I think it's really important that she just shared, you know, we're grieving this and that sometimes is what we just need to do is have, allow people to have the space to just, yeah, she's saying it's not a big deal, but it is because it's like, it marks the passage of time, it's memories, it's, it's what makes, I don't know, your, your home or your community unique and special. Um, so. Well, and community is so important, um, you know, for all of us, especially when we're going through tough times. And certainly New Orleans has a very strong sense of community. So yeah, they are feeling it down there. So yeah. our our hearts and thoughts are with um, everyone suffering, um, but certainly yeah. our friends in New Orleans and the South down there who are, are feeling the, the loss of Mardi Gras and the people who benefit from, um, you know, Mardi Gras and what that brings to the, the city as well. Well, Haley, you know, I'm thinking we shouldn't call it a spiritual stew. Maybe this week we should call it spiritual jambalaya. Or <laughs> we could do that. Maybe a gumbo. Spiritual so, gumbo made with tofu. Gumbo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it has a nice little roux, as they say, their sauce. Um, so what are you making this week? Um, what's... So this, this week marks my favorite gospel of the year. Um, I, you know, we, they go, you have, they go th through different readings throughout the years. Um, I know it's cyclical, but we always have the same gospel reading on, um, Ash Wednesday. And I think about it all the time. Um, and really the passage that I th think of that is often resonating through my mind is, you know, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it comes from the gospel on Ash Wednesday. Um, it's Matthew six, one through six, and then 16 through 18. And, and in part, what it reads is, um, you know, when you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, and then Matthew goes on to talk about, you know, when you pray, don't pray on the street corner and let everybody know you're praying, you know, go into your quiet room so that really only God knows you're praying and, um, you know, to pray in private. And same thing when we fast, you know, don't you know, make sure when you fast, Matthew talks about, you know, still shower, wash your face, you know, make sure you look, sure you look presentable so that you aren't grimy, um, so that people don't know you're fasting, that really we should only be doing these actions, you know, for God um, and not so that other people see that we're doing them. And, and I think about that a lot because it just, it keeps me in check. And, and I don't always, you know, like kind of the answer I give myself, but there are times when I think, you know, why am I doing this? Am I doing this you know, really just to honor God? Am I doing it because I really just genuinely want to be a good person or try to, or am I doing it for the recognition? You know, I, and, and it, sometimes it's silly things like, you know, I hate anything that has to do with my car. I hate getting the emissions tested. I hate getting gas. I hate everything about it. So on Friday, I, you know, had the day off of work and I went and I got gas in my car and I took the emissions tested and I went and got it washed inside out and I went and put air on the tires. And every single time I did that, I texted my husband to tell him I was doing that. And uh, I really, I, I was ready for him to write back. What do you want a pat on the back? You know, or yeah. whatever that saying is, what do you want a cookie? Um, and I, and, and certainly those weren't, you know, anything to do to honor God, but I, I realized I was doing these things because I wanted him to say, good job. Um, and that's really not what we're called to do. Um, so it's, it's, I love this passage because it just reminds me, you know, who do I want to be? I want to be someone who does things for the right reason. And I want to be somebody who does things because I want to do them and not because I want other people to recognize that I'm doing it. And sometimes, I, oftentimes I fall short in that, but it's a constant reminder for me. And 
you know, and then I and then I sometimes think or justify, you know, my thoughts in the sense, you know, it's it's inspiring to see other people do good works, you know, and it's inspiring to to hear someone tell their story or to hear, you know, to read about what someone is doing and and that inspires others to do good. So um, you know, we can't always do things quietly and not let anyone know um, because yeah. it is it, it, it can have that domino effect. Um, but I think the yeah. key is to not do it for the recognition, um, but to just know that, you know, ultimately we'll get that recognition, you know, from, you know, the one being that it's most important to get it from. Right. Yeah. And I, I think you're so right about the fact we can be inspired or learn from the example of others. Um, that's true in our own families, among our friends. And, you know, I find sometimes that's part of the challenge of being a Christian in the world today, because let's just use an example. Like it isn't about, we live in a world that's all about numbers and what we accomplish and promoting what has been achieved. And, you know, the, the Catholic church does so much in terms of social service and I, and don't get me wrong, Catholic charities and different groups do promote it, but it's also like, there is this underlying message of like, that's who, that's what we do because we are Christian, you know, and we don't need to tell the world. So there's like that tension. Um, but you're right as in terms of ourselves, right. Um, it kind of calls us to be mindful about how we do it and why we do it. Right. Well, and especially the why we do it, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so for me, I always look forward to Ash Wednesday because um, I love hearing it. Um, and, you know, it means something different every year. You know, you always, even though you hear the same passage, you're hearing it a year yeah. older through, you know, you're a different place in your life. So it's, it's a phrase, you know, that I think about really all year long um, and then always look forward to it when Ash Wednesday comes along. So I will um, zoom into mass this Wednesday. Um, I don't think I will make it in, in um, person, but um, you know we can talk at the end with our takeaways about how we're going to receive ashes because I thought that was kind of a fun takeaway too. We can share. So, what about you? Do have do you have a, a a favorite? I don't even know. I didn't even realize. I will be honest with you that this was my favorite gospel uh, until until yeah. I started thinking about um, our spiritual jambalaya for today. And then I thought, yeah, I love this one. Um, I'm ready to hear it. I think it's great. I know I, when I read the notes, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think I do have a favorite passage. Um, I do have one that I have spoken about a lot as the one I find the most challenging. And it's also in Matthew's gospel. It's just a chapter later and it's um, the chapter on judging others. And just the image that stands out for me is, um, so it's chapter seven, verse one through five. And, you know, Christ asks, why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? And how easy it is to find fault in other people, but it's scary to me because it's like, okay, I can nitpick and I can see that. But the implication here is that it's like way magnified in my own self and I'm not able to see that. Um, and Mother Teresa was so, you know, prophetic when she said, if you are judging others, you, you are not able, and I should look up the exact quote, you're, you're essentially not loving them. And really we're called to love others. And this isn't to say to not, to let everything go and to never say no to a child or, you know, like everything's okay. But um, judgment, a place of judgment is a, 
it's an easy place to be and I don't think it's a holy place to be. So um, Jesus in this passage is really, he calls out hypocrites. And if there's one group in scripture that he is hard on, it is hypocrites because of what, you know, you're saying, like they're doing things one way and being another. And they, yeah, the left knows what the right's doing and they're telling a different message. So yeah. I think it's an important passage to carry with us. No, it really is. And you're right. The word hypocrites is used, you know, in Matthew 6 as well. And even that word has such a strong connotation to it. Um, you know, I'm not sure that way back when, you know, these gospels were being written that they understood how strong that word hypocrite yeah. um, right. would become, or maybe it's become such a strong word because it is used so powerfully in the Bible. That's probably the case. Um, yeah. But you're right. The whole image of a splinter and a wooden beam, um, it's, yeah, that's really powerful too. So he is... Uh, trying to get his message across here. We are to um, not be hypocrites. And, yeah. and that might be uh, sound very simple, but um, oftentimes I think the simplest things can be the hardest ones to follow regularly. Um, and the you know, Haley, even as we're talking about hypocrites, I'm realizing how even that word sometimes, like we judge others and deem them to be a hypocrite. And I can think of a couple instances and it's like, we don't have the full picture of what's going on with that person. So I can think of leaders in the last year who, you know, are acting one way and people put that label hypocrite on when you might read the story or figure out more information and it, it doesn't necessarily justify or make things okay, but it certainly lends insight into where they were coming from. So <laughs> even me judging someone to be, I mean, Christ can do that. I'm going to put that on Christ. He can, he can judge and I will be judged and we, we will be judged. That's what scripture reveals to us on judgment day. We will respond to our maker. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing because we have to atone and account for ourselves. And um, we know our God is a merciful God and a loving God, um, which is wonderful, but it's also like he's righteous. And part of righteousness is when you know things are um, understood and accounted for, so well, and no, you're right. Just the act of calling someone a hypocrite is judging them. Um, okay. So yeah, we should leave that to to Jesus yeah. for sure. <laughs> He's, yeah, he can handle that. So I love that. Um, what are your takeaways so, this week? So yeah. I loved, um, you know, Ann and I are in this virtual parish um, where we attend mass together on Sundays, even though she wakes up early on the West Coast and attends and I'm on the East Coast. So it's a little later for me. I've had at least two cups of coffee by the time we get to church. Um, but exercise. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, our, our, our priest, Father Tom Doyle is... Um, it's just really uh, amazing. And, you know, most priests are, but there's there's something very um, human about him. And or maybe it, it, they're all human, of course, but maybe it's the maybe it's the environment that we're in. Maybe it's the very intimate mass that we're able, you know, we're fortunate to attend. Um, you know, maybe it's the fact that he has family members and, and close friends of his um, that are on the Zoom mass. But I just love um, I just love this little parish that we have. And and 
So he he asked us this morning, um, you know, when we were listening and, and talking about Lent and and what this means, you know, who is separated, you know, who has been isolated, and how do we reach them? Um, and I thought that's a great question for me to think about and to pray about, and then to answer and have that be part of my Lenten resolution. And you know, the first person that came to mind. Um, is my grandmother. I mean, she'll be 98 in April. She lives by herself. Um, you know, she's in, uh, a, it's not a nursing home. It's more of a staged um, healthcare environment. Um, but she has her own apartment and she has been separated and isolated from everybody, um, from her family, from the other residents, from her friends. You know, meals are delivered to her. She cannot leave her room. And um, I was really good during quarantine, you know, when we were all on lockdown last year about calling her and writing her several times a week because she doesn't have access to the internet. Um, so there's no email. She doesn't know how to FaceTime, so I can't do that. Um, and I kind of got away with that as our lives started to pick up. Um, and so I, I'm going to return to that and make sure um, that she hears from me a lot more often um, because she has been separated and she has been isolated and she has had her first uh, dose of the vaccine. Um, So she's getting there, but um, it's just been a hard time for her, you know, and I think she's a, she's in the last years of her life. Um, And what a, what a really kind of crappy, you know, last, hopefully it's not her last year, but um, Mm. you know, to think that she's been alone for the last 11 months is, um, is, is, is sad in the sense that there are thousands of people who are just like her in that same situation. And, um, you know, that's that's really one of the biggest tragedies of, of this whole pandemic is, you know, people who are alone. So I will I will think about who is separated, who's been isolated, certainly my grandmother, but I know there's many others. Um, and so I need to make sure that I do a better job of, of reaching out um, during Lent this year. I am really struck by, um, yeah, just the way you framed that, Haley, because, you know, Mother Teresa said um, when she was asked, can you come to the United States? I need your sisters to come to the U.S. She said, I can't. Your poverty is too great. And they were like, excuse me? Like, what do you mean? We have social structures. We're a wealthy nation. And she said, your poverty is loneliness. And I can't cure that. Um, You know, I can feed anybody. I can give somebody drink, but I can't give companionship and friendship and, you know, just being there for someone. And so to think of the poverty in that way of so many millions of people and how do we, you know, yeah. So if we can reach out even in, you know, small ways, um, yeah, just even today, like a friend, um, I really, my, my former JV coach, he's not coaching with me this year because he's going to stay at home this semester because he has a pre-existing condition. Um, so he's not, coaching, but, uh, cause girls golf started, which is exciting. And, um, he asked me every day, what were their scores? He's still supporting me. And he just picked up the phone today. And I thought that is so nice that, you know, people pick up the phone and you and I are connected people. We are on the internet. We have, you know, families, friends, things like that. But, you know, to think of people in these situations, I appreciate the reminder. And so I want to take that away too, for something to consider this Lent, how I can, reach out to, you know, those, those folks who are in similar situations. Thank you for offering that. 
Well, thank you to Father Tom for for his wisdom and in, in sharing that with us as well. I also really loved what he shared about receiving ashes. And, um, you know, I love Ash Wednesday. And it was interesting, you know, thinking about the gospel for this week and also then recognizing, you know, we put ashes on our forehead to mark to everyone that we are, you know, Catholic, that we are marking this day. And that that's, you know, I, I, I was struck by, is that, letting my right hand know what my left hand is doing? You know, am I walking around, um, you know, sharing with everyone that that I am Catholic or, you know, yes, I am. And I like that. And then I, so I think I I have to reel myself in and and kind of check myself. I do like the visual, but I need to make sure that I like it for what it represents and that I don't like it because everyone else is then gonna see that I have it on. So again, my own issue. but he had suggested, you know, if you can't make it to mass, um, and so I'll share this with people who are listening, um, to take a paper towel or a piece of paper, but he had said a paper towel, and write down on there the things you love the most. Um, you know, what brings you the most joy? What gives you the most meaning? Your your most precious, um, the most precious things in your life. You know, I would imagine for most people, it's our family, it's our friends, it's, um, you know, really meaningful work. And then, um, you know, to offer it up, to, to burn it, you know, not to burn it, to get rid of it, but to burn it, turn it to ash and put it on our foreheads. And as a way of saying that even these most precious things in our lives um, don't compare ultimately to the gift um, of eternal life that, you know, that God and Jesus have brought to us and what all that represents and what we're going through as we move towards Easter. Um, and I loved that. Um, I just, I love that whole image of, um, yes, this is the most precious things. These are the most precious things I have, but it's not even close to, you know, what we're trying to, trying to reach and strive for. Um, so we will be doing that as a family this week for Ash Wednesday as well. Yeah. Well, I wasn't a fan, um, (laughs) to like offer something, um, afterwards I, and you could maybe give the option. I need to write out my sins and my shortcomings. And I do want, I mean, Lent is purple. It is penitential. It's time to clean up shop. There's a lot that I need to let go of that gets me in the way of God. So I will, that is my sacrifice, my burnt offering, my Holocaust, is that's what the word means. So I loved, of course, like what he's trying to convey. But I do, I think for me, it is, I'm, I want to approach it. Like this is, I want to be more loving and I want to be closer to God. And these are the things that get in the way. So I'm going, I'm going in Haley with the, with the, putting it out there. So, you know, maybe I'll do half and half. I mean, you know, um, no, I got to tell you, Anne, I love that. And you know what I love about it is when I'm listening to Father Tom offer up what he's suggesting, and I'm thinking, yes, we're doing this as a family. And I'm thinking, my son is going to think I'm nuts. Yeah. Um, yep. But he could get into that. Like he he would really, you know, he loves his theology classes, and he's got so he's having such a great experience at his Catholic high school, which I so appreciate. You know, in terms of his own faith formation. Um, so I don't ever want to do anything that would be detrimental to that. Um, but he could get behind. Yeah, I will offer that up. So thank you for sharing that. You know, Greg Boyle, who I love and, uh, father Greg Boyle, he came and spoke at St. Ignatius where I used to teach and he gave the Ash Wednesday homily. And he said, you know what, kids this year, do not give up chocolate. You know, don't give anything up, do something. Well, you know what happened with a 15 year old 
boy or girl, then they end up not doing anything. Like they just, for some people, it's just, you need a spiritual discipline. And, and for some people, the discipline really is to do the good. Yeah. I understand that because some people are scrupulous or so hard on themselves, but I mean, I give up sweets and then I always do something. I used to only give up what cookies. Now it's full on sweets, Haley. It is painful. It's hard. And I'm like, bring it like, and I only did it because we talked earlier about community, um, a friend at work, she told me she was doing it. And so we check in with each other and it makes it a lot better that somebody else is doing it because I do for me, I want that spiritual discipline. Um, and I'm not trying to criticize father Boyle. I think his, his point was like, you know, don't get just lost in that, that, but I think developmentally for some young people, they, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's a time and a place for all of it. Absolutely. So. No. And I agree. I agree with both of those. You're right. You're, there's, totally. there's nothing wrong with what he's suggesting as well. I totally get it. Um, but yeah, so let me know, let us know what your family decides, what they opt to. If you do that, I will, um, I will. I'm going to, um, this is my, so I've talked about my 21 minutes of sustained silent reading. I'm going to do four minutes of prayer in the morning. Now that. I really don't know in the morning how long I pray. I think maybe a minute, maybe, you know, some mornings it's longer, but I'm getting curious to see about my four minute prayer. And it's one minute for each letter in the word um, Lent. So the acronym Lent and the L is for light. And so I just want to shed light on the day, or I just love the idea of praying with light and bringing the light in. So, you know, Jesus says, you know, I'm the light of the world. So L for light. E is for ego or error. So where I've really let me get in the way or, you know, things I've said that may have been inconsiderate, or, you know, disrespectful or whatnot. Um, and is for nature. So I want to spend like a minute trying to think about like what I did with nature. Um, I don't know. Think about the spaces I've been and thank God for that creation. And then T is for trust. And I'm going to just give a minute to maybe just put myself in a place where I ask God you know, to be willing to trust God. I think that means listening to God. So that's going to be my four minute prayer. I love that, Anne. And I, you know, I hope you'll share that with the greater audience too. I know you talked about blogging about it, so I hope you do. Cause I, I think this could catch on, um, because even with the trust, you know, the trust could just be, you know, that last minute listening and trusting that yeah. he's going to share with you, um, you know, what you need to do on the first three. So um, that's awesome. We may we may borrow that in our house too. Uh, maybe not all three of us who are here, but um, but but I will certainly for sure. Um, and you're right. Four minutes doesn't sound very long, but um, that it's it's a long time. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. What a fun week. Um, again, there's a lot going on even in this very short month. Um, and very cold month of February. I know that there are a number of places in this country that are really, um, really experiencing extraordinarily cold weather. Um, so we hope everyone stays warm. We hope everyone is able to, um, you know, celebrate Ash Wednesday in a way that is meaningful to them. Again, Anne's reminder that we are not supposed to eat meat. Thank you again for that. Um, I would have gotten to that eventually. Um, and, you know, I look forward to, to next week and, and seeing how the week went and where we are. And hopefully, um, you know, just a few days after Ash Wednesday and Lent starts, we will we will still be um, not eating desserts. Um, we won't have broken Lent yet. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. here's my quick question before yeah. we end. 
I think I know what you're going to ask. You, you are. Know. I'm sure you do. So yeah. are you a straight through? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. No, no, che- no cheating on Fridays? I know. Yeah. The Sunday, because it technically speaking, the 40 oh, that's days. Right, Sundays. That's right. Sundays. Uh, okay. I knew what you, were, I knew what you meant. Um, technically speaking, the 40 days of Lent does not include Sundays, because Sundays are days of celebration. So Right. And I believe it actually ends on Holy Thursday, it right? Does. Yeah. yeah, with the Triduum. So, yeah. Okay, so we're like, you're with us. We're like the 48 days of yeah, Lent, or yeah. whatever it turns out to be. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, though. I do break. If I break it on Sunday, I break it, you know? I don't know. I should be one of the, I should be, you know, zero one white black i'm not i don't know this is where we need jesus we need him we need him to answer our question we will be judged (laughs) hopefully not for eating cookies on sunday right right. although you know if that's the worst if that's the worst and we we um that we um yeah you're right you're right that's the worst thing in our life we're pretty good so have a great week and i look forward to uh next week continuing this conversation thanks so much Thanks to our listeners for listening.